Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. After the Apocalypse, a pandemic survival story. Season 2, Episode 10. Logistics. Mags looked at the old man with a tiredness that belied the weight of the world on her shoulders. She hadn't been getting enough sleep. There was so much to do. There was always too much to do. She had to stay on top of the details. They couldn't afford to lose any more people to this chaotic world. How had she been thrust into the leadership role of this small and broken tribe? She didn't know if she was up to the task, but she would keep working to make something out of this and out of them. If humans were to survive and move forward, it would take groups of people working collaboratively. She thought that, just maybe, this group could be the start of something good. She wasn't going to let that die on her watch. The old man was huddled with Brad. The morning sun cast dusty beams through the windows and onto the maps they were studying. It was a clear, cool, dry day that would be good for traveling. You two are working well together, she said, approaching with a smile. Do you understand the mission? Brad nodded in the affirmative. Read it back to me, Brad, she continued. I want to make sure... I explained myself well. Brad looked at the old man and hesitated, sensing that he was somehow being tested. It's all right, Brad, the old man said. What is the plan and why? He leaned back to give Brad more space. Well, Brad started. We're going to leave here this morning and make our way over to the D.C., the distribution center. When we get there, we're going to scout around pick up supplies, and make note of anything important. Then he added, almost as an afterthought, then we're going to come back here tomorrow. But why are we doing this, Brad? Mags asked, not in a mean way. I suppose to find out more information about what's going on around us, Brad answered. That's a good answer, Mag said. We're also looking for a permanent home for all of us, somewhere we can live safely and start to rebuild. I don't know if this distribution area is that place, but it could be a stepping stone to that place. Right, Brad nodded. The old man raised his eyebrow and said nothing. He saw what Mags was doing. She was trying to give them purpose, trying to give them hope and positive direction. He looked at Brad. The kid is trying, he thought. God help us, but the kid is trying. The old man thought about his own fraught relationship with his son, Paul. He hadn't been much of a dad, more of a self-centered jerk, if he was to be honest with himself. 
He let his ego get in the way and fouled that relationship. The need to be a father to his own children had been nothing more than swatting at annoying mosquitoes that distracted him from his work. He remembered working on some school project with his own son, Paul, back before the apocalypse, before his divorce, before the medical profession turned its back on him. He remembered getting so frustrated with Paul's progress that he gave up and left it for his wife to deal with. He just left. It wasn't that he didn't love his son then. He just didn't recognize it, hidden behind his ambition. He was focused on his career, 18-hour days at the hospital, doing everything right, doing everything better, fulfilling his destiny with the people who mattered, except, of course, his own family. As Hamlet had said, "'What a piece of work is man!' The old man smiled ruefully to himself and remembered the mad prince's conclusion that man, in the end, is no more than a pile of dust, a pile of bones. Well, he had a chance to help this kid here now. No pending appointments with the hospital board of directors at the moment. The old man smiled to himself and leaned in. Brad... We need to stay together on this trip. No falling behind. Bill will be our scout, but you and I need to stay together, okay? Brad nodded in agreement again and looked comically serious. Let me look at your feet, the old man said. What? Brad answered. Your feet. Take off your shoes and let me look at your feet. We're going to be moving 12 to 15 miles in two days. Have you ever been that far before on foot? I don't really know. The old man produced a tube of Vaseline. I want you to rub a nice thick coat of this on the outsides of your feet and toes, where the shoes rub. Then put your socks back on and we'll get moving. The old man was warming to his lecture now. What's your water situation? You need to bring at least a liter. It's cold out so you won't sweat as much, but it's better to have it than to need it and not have it. And so it went as they kicked off their journey, the old man helping as much as he could, in his own gruff way, coaching Brad. They alternately jogged and walked through the suburban neighborhoods near the school. The old man was asking Brad about his family and his life and coaching him along as best he could. Brad talked happily away, glad for the attention and help. The old man considered that he might be able to help this kid and wondered why he hadn't made the effort with his own son. Soon, they emerged into a more densely settled part of the route and slowed their pace out of caution. If there was going to be trouble, it would be in this more built-up city area. The old man crouched next to a dented and dust-covered car, he braced one hand and peered cautiously over the hood. The old man was pretty sure that King's men had swept through here, but he could not be sure. It was terra incognita, and they were off the edge of their map. There might be dragons. The long street was crowded with trash. A few recognizable pieces here and there, but mostly just a churn of waste packaging— he mused that this was the final legacy of the consumer packaged goods industry. So much trash in the apocalypse. 
But it wouldn't last. Within a couple of years, everything would be under a layer of dust and dirt. Within a couple of decades, there would be nothing visible except lumps in the underbrush of the new forest tangle. In a couple thousand years, maybe some archaeologist would peer down at a sidewalk with the enthusiasm of a Lincolnshire farmer uncovering a Roman mosaic in his potato field. And in a million years, the Anthropocene, the time of man, would be a small blip in the geologic record. A few centimeters of sand and gravel with high levels of hydrocarbons buried under the sediment of the rising seas. The earth abides. A breeze began to build, and there was a slight rustle in the dry grass that poked up through the cracked pavement. It had started as a bright winter day, but was now becoming overcast. Low, gray clouds hung overhead, and the wind brought with it the burnt industrial smell of charred plastic. That smell, the mix of rotten decay and burnt petrochemicals, it left an acidic tang in the back of his throat. Here and there were lumps of clothing or bone that might mark the final resting place of some unlucky Homo sapiens. Maybe the virus had gotten them. Maybe starvation, or maybe just the bad luck of this dead world with its dead cities had caught up with them in that particular spot. Greasy stains spread out from the bundles on the asphalt as the forces of decomposition and vermin rendered them down into their composite compounds— into dust. A life well lived? Who knows? Ashes to ashes and a stain on the pavement. He hated these cities of the dead. When he was alone on the trails and back roads, he could pretend the apocalypse never happened, that he was just vagabonding like he always had. But here, in the population centers, the apocalypse was in your face, upfront and personal. It left that awful taste in your mouth and drained from your sinuses into the back of your throat and permeated your clothes. But today, they chose to come here. They needed supplies that only the old world could provide. They needed to add this place to their map. Why? So Mags could build up her new civilization on the bones of the old. Whatever. The old man shook his head to clear it. He didn't see anything moving except the trash in the wind. Time to move again. There was a loud crinkling of plastic close by that made him flinch. He turned to see Brad sitting on the pavement, resting with his back against the car, fishing into a plastic dog treat bag and popping a handful of jerky-like treats into his mouth. Bill the dog watched him in an intensely insulted fashion. What are you doing? The old man hissed. Having a snack. Want one? Bradley shrugged around a mouthful of jerky treats. Keep it quiet. That smoke smells fresh. There may be someone here. We're trying to get in and out of here without any trouble, and we can't do that with you making noise. The old man continued. And you're making the dog crazy. We need him to focus. Put that crap away. It's not crap, Brad said, acting hurt. It's salmon-flavored smoked jerky. Keeps my energy up. He resealed the bag and stuffed it into his pack. 
Bill the dog looked disappointed. It's dog food, the old man said and gave Brad a hard look. He was probably that kid who would eat anything on a dare. He was a big kid, maybe six foot tall, with a scruffy ginger beard that surrounded an off-center smile. He was somehow still pudgy after a few months in the apocalypse. A few more days like today would lean him up, the old man figured. Brad, who had apparently been rehearsing his counter-argument, spoke again. If I gave you a Slim Jim, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Probably came out of the same machine and just went into different bags. Whatever! The old man waved him silent and gestured with a nod down the street to the next point of cover. Keep moving, keep your eyes open, and if Bill freezes, you freeze. Bill was trotting along a few feet ahead, close to the building wall, acting as the canine vanguard of their little scout force. Eventually, they turned down a road that ran between a long row of metal industrial buildings. The distribution center you used to work at should be in this industrial park off to the right. Yeah, last building. These are all DCs through here. They crouched low and crept along a chain-link fence around to the loading dock of the complex where Brad had worked. There wasn't much cover here. It was like any of 10,000 other distribution centers in 10,000 other industrial parks, a single-story metal building with a flat roof that covered over an acre. Trucks and vans were still parked where they had been left at the end of the day when it was just a bad flu and nobody knew it was the apocalypse. Joe, the delivery driver, put the van in park, took the keys back to the office, went home with the sniffles, and was now another grease stain on the sidewalk. The old man looked back at Brad. The kid was bent low, sweating, and trying really hard not to screw up. Everyone was dead, yet somehow this bouncy man-child of a fork truck driver managed to ride out the storm, the random quirks of genetics, virus potency, and immune system capacity were a cosmic roll of the dice, and Brad had come up lucky seven. They paused at the corner of a van and surveyed the loading docks. The red bulb of an emergency light glowed weakly over the door. Why is that light still on? The old man hissed to Brad. I don't know, came the response. Maybe it's some sort of emergency backup. The old man chewed on that idea for a few seconds. Maybe there were still pockets of power. That could be useful. He asked Brad, How did you get into the building when you worked here? Did you go through the front or the back? Was there a key? That door there, next to the dock. Brad pointed. We swiped in there. I still have my key card. He reached for his wallet. The old man shook his head and muttered, God protects idiots and drunkards. We gonna find some beer? Brad brightened. No, I'm saying I don't think that key card system is gonna be functional with that power being off for months. Oh, yeah. Brad slid his key card in the slot, but nothing happened. There might be emergency power, but it didn't extend to the lock. Eventually, they were able to jimmy a door open. The good news was that the alarm systems didn't appear to work anymore, either. Then again, who would come? Who would care? As they entered the loading dock, 
Brad went into a routine from when he used to give facility tours, clearing his throat officiously and straightening up a bit. He peered into the gloom of the interior. So this is Packaging and Distribution Center Number 2 for Vitafine Pharmaceuticals. Out this side, we see the final product being palletized and loaded onto trucks. He waved a gesturing hand towards the inside of the loading docks in the dim light. A couple half-loaded trucks were still docked, and the words of Brad Spiel bounced around in the shadows of the empty trailers like frightened bats. Back there are the packaging lines where product was put into bottles, boxes, and blister packs. On the other side, the raw materials come in through receiving and run through the mixing and pelletization lines to make the tablets. He paused, breaking character. Strange to be in here when it's so quiet and dark. Okay, Brad, you can stop the speech now, the old man said, holding his hand up like a policeman stopping traffic but then considered and added, Nice work, he continued. Let's leave the door open to let some light in and go see what we can find. First priority is anything that looks like antibiotics, although from what you're saying, I don't think they had those here. Second is anything that looks nutritionally valuable, like vitamins or protein powder. Finally, whatever else vaguely medicinal we can find, let's load up and get out of here. They clicked on their flashlights and went to work. The old man set Bill near the door and told him to wash in his best approximation of the German command to wait and watch that the dog understood. Keep an eye out for any batteries, too, he added. You remember there being a supply cabinet? I'll take a run through the offices, Brad said. I didn't spend much time over there, but I'll see what I can find. Hey, how do we figure out what these are? The old man gestured to a large bin full of tablets. Look for a piece of paper or a label on the bin. The work order should have the item descriptor on it. The old man fished a printed form out of the bin and illuminated it with his flashlight, patting his front pocket in search of glasses. Can you read this? What does it say? Brad looked over the old man's shoulder and sounded out the lettering. Sildenafil. The old man guffawed. What? Brad asked. Erection pills. The old man laughed. Not sure what these are good for in the apocalypse, but you never know. He shrugged and stuffed a handful into a plastic baggie and slid them into the side pocket in his shorts. Brad grimaced like a kid who had stumbled in on his parents in flagrante. They filled their packs with enough random vitamins and protein bars to feed a football team. Nothing out of the ordinary, but a lot that could be useful back at the camp. They could always come back, but this stuff wasn't being made anymore, and they figured that they should get it while they could. The old man surveyed the building with Brad in tow. The distribution center had survived fairly well in the long months since the apocalypse. There were signs of a leaky roof. Without humans around to fix that, it wouldn't take too many more months for the cracks to turn into holes and the drips to turn into streams. In a few decades, it would all just be another lump in the forest. Until then, they would find a way to take what they could from the old world to build the new. 
Brad emerged smiling with a bottle of grape soda from the manager's office and a handful of batteries, like a proud boy showing off the spelling bee trophy to his dad. His smile turned into an anxious look as two unsettling sounds pierced the gloom simultaneously. The first was a low growl and sharp bark of Bill sounding a warning from the dock door. The second was the approach of motors. Shit! The old man started towards the dock door. The motor sounds grew louder. It sounded like a pack of motorcycles making a circuit of the park. The old man and Brad pulled Bill back from the door and into the shadows of the dock, waiting for the danger to play out. Is it them? Brad said with terror in his voice. I don't know. The old man tried to calm him down. We should be okay. They can't know we're in here. We'll wait for them to pass and then make a break for it. He hissed, but his lack of confidence was given away by the tension in his bony body. Brad nodded, wide-eyed and afraid. They heard the motorcycles round the facility and progress through the parking lot. At first, they seemed to be going right on by. But then there was a sound of a horn and they downshifted, slowed, and circled closer. Shit! They've seen the Jimmy door, the old man said. The sound of the engines idled up close now, except for one or maybe two that seemed to accelerate out and around the building to the side and front. We have to get out of here, Brad begged, or we should hide. The old man leaned over to take a quick peek out the door, then fell back into the shadows with Brad. He thought hard. No, I think we have to face the music. He looked around. Quick, stash the packs in those totes and let's make sure Bill is out of sight. What are we going to do? Brad asked. Fortune favors the bold, the old man winked. Follow my lead. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hello, my Survivor friends. Welcome to the new year. Had some interesting irony last week when I was in my time off. I started reading The Stand by Stephen King. 
Everybody always talks about The Stand when you're talking about apocalypse novels, so I figured it was high time I went ahead and read it. So I'm two weeks and about 700 plus pages into it. It's a big book. It takes a long time to get the story going, lots of characters. I'll have more thoughts on it when I'm finished, if I ever finish. But the ironic part is that I picked up a cold over Christmas from my 87-year-old mom. Not that cold, just like a normal cold. (laughs) Which is ironic in itself because we, our whole family, have been trying really hard to protect her from the actual pandemic. And then she turns around and gives us all a bad cold on Christmas Eve. So I was hoping to get a lot done in my week off. And uh, that statement right there tells you a lot about me and my neuroses, but I was uh, sick, so I spent a lot of time reading and resting, which was good timing to tackle that oversized tome that is The Stand. And so the ironic part is, I'm lying in bed or in couch, sick, reading about all these characters who think they only have a cold and actually have the super flu that wipes out humanity. And at the same time, I'm writing a story about a pandemic apocalypse where everyone dies from a virus and listening to the news about a raging pandemic. So it was all very meta. I'm, I'm like a character with a sore throat and a runny nose during a global pandemic, reading about a global pandemic apocalypse and writing about a global pandemic apocalypse. So that was my week. We are 10 episodes into season two. I'm still planning to do five seasons, 20 episodes. Some of this I wrote, some of these episodes I've already written something before as standalone episodes when I was playing around with this universe. I actually wrote some some pieces, and this was one of them. And that's probably a good tip for you aspiring writers out there. If you have an idea for a story or a universe or a longer arc thing, just don't try to do the whole thing. Just write a couple chapters and see how it feels. Consider it a test, or in my professional world, we would call it a proof of concept. And then you can either have a nice, tight, standalone short story or reuse it later when you get around to fleshing out the longer arc. So fleshing out is a 19th century abbreviated version of an older phrase or concept of putting flesh on something, meaning to add to it or expand it. And that is different than flush out, which is to forcefully remove a blockage or clean out. And hopefully you're happy with me sneaking a little Billy Shakespeare into the story this week. Yeah. So I was not forced to read Shakespeare exhaustively like a British schoolboy. But I did read a fair amount of it for coursework in college, and I do have my original dog-eared copy of the Pelican Shakespeare still on the shelf for reference. Would it be gluttonous of me to mention that dog-eared is a phrase that started specifically with the creation of books and came into use in the 1600s as books became more ubiquitous? And that is around the same time Shakespeare was writing his plays and poems? Hmm? Would that be gluttonous? Probably. You'd be amazed at how many of our common modern English idioms come from Shakespeare in one form or another. In no particular order, here are some of the treats he left for us. Puking. (laughs) Vanish into thin air. There's a method to my madness. 
a wild goose chase, the green-eyed monster, break the ice, wear thy heart upon thy sleeve, and swagger. Huh? That's all Shakespeare. Anyhow, welcome back from your midwinter's night dreams into the second half of season two of After the Apocalypse. Our tribe has over 58,000 downloads in 2021. We're clipping along at about 11,000 downloads a month, which is something like 500 per day. And we had a surge in growth in the fall. And I think it was because some of the download services, the apps were recommending us. It seems to have leveled off a bit in December, and I'll be interested to see how January does. Historically, there's a jump in downloads in January for podcasts in general because people get new devices over the holidays or they start new habits in the new year. But we'll be interested to see if that holds true this year. And this growth is all organic, meaning we haven't done any advertising yet which means that you, my survivor friends, have your hands on the controls, so to speak. Help us all by recommending to a friend or two. Post a link to your social media. Go into whatever app you listen to and rate us. Maybe type in a quick review, something like this. Apparently, that makes the algorithms, and more importantly, our alien overlords, very happy when you type in a review. We've got 82 members in our Facebook group as of this morning, and we have been talking about Apocalypse books, and we have been talking about The Stand. The big news, I suppose, is that I was able to get off my behind and create an after-the-apocalypse store in Public over the holidays. The link is in the show notes, and I'll give it here as well. It's www.tpublic, as in t-shirt, com forward slash stores, after hyphen the hyphen apocalypse. So if you go there, you can see that I've had my starving artists create multiple color renderings of After the Apocalypse, the old man logo, that you can get on shirts and mugs and stickers and blah, blah, blah. I get a cut of anything they sell, so it's cool. Go check it out. If you want something special, I can resize and recolor that graphic very easily or add other text on there very easily. So if you have a fantastic bespoke or custom idea, that I, I can probably manage to pull that off and we'll make it available for everyone. All right? So feel free to be creative. Or if there's anything else you have questions on, just let me know. And if anyone out there has any other Great ideas on expanding our reach. Let me know. I'm all ears. One of my goals for this year is to grow the After the Apocalypse universe and get more attention, if you will. So if anyone needs anything from me, let me know. And Happy New Year. And my friends, above all else, make sure you keep surviving into this new year. the 
softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.